A verse you all know very, very well is Exodus chapter 20. In the commandments, we find this order from God. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. As the Apostle Paul rightly notes, this is the first commandment with a what? A promise. This promise alone teaches us that there is something special, there is something unique about this command in the heart of God. Honor your father and your mother. And as we reflect on motherhood today, I am very much reminded that many of us find ourselves in different places. Some still have their mothers with them, others do not. God has called some to be mothers, other women He has not. Some have had Christian mothers, while others haven't. Some relationships have been easier than others. But regardless of our individual circumstance at this moment, we would remember that even on Mother's Day, we are here ultimately to worship God. We give thanks for what He has given. We devote ourselves to what His Word teaches us about godly motherhood. We learn from it. We proclaim it. We honor it. We celebrate mothers. But at the end of the day, our eyes are ultimately on the Lord who made us, who loves us, who rescues us, calls us, strengthens us, and is coming back soon. That's why we are here. And wherever this Mother's Day finds you, wherever, wherever God's sovereign plan has you right now, my prayer is that we will all find joy and truth and meaning in who God is and how His glory is amplified in His design for motherhood. So by way of introduction today, I'd like, us to, to, I'd like to take us topically through a number of Scriptures. If you'd like to write them down for your notes so you can reflect on them later. It's a, this, is, this has been one of my favorite studies in many recent weeks. I'm going to walk through a number of Scriptures that bring motherhood into biblical perspective. I don't think the Christians take time often enough. I know that I don't. To really contemplate just how different the Christian worldview is from that of non-Christians. If you don't believe that God made woman, that is going to be a game changer. If you don't believe that God sovereignly and wonderfully ordained specific roles and strengths and weaknesses for woman, particularly in motherhood, then that's going to be a game changer. If you don't believe that the Creator is actively involved in what takes place in a mother's womb, you're going to draw very different conclusions about the sanctity of life and motherhood. The more I've reflected on these Scriptures this week, the more I stand amazed at the biblical view, the, the, the biblical truth of motherhood, and the more I treasure it. Let's start with Genesis chapter 3, verse 20. Genesis 3.20 Now the man, that is Adam, called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all the living. One way we honor mothers is by recognizing the marvelous role of motherhood. Adam instantly recognized and identified Eve as the mother of all human life. Ponder that title. 
Ponder the awesomeness of that responsibility and the significance of that role in humanity. It was clearly something so great that God couldn't trust it to the men. You've heard me say it before. Lest the male half of humanity think too highly of themselves, we remind ourselves that Genesis chapter 2 basically tattooed this truth across our forehead. Help needed. So true. I thought that I would start to work my way out of that truth the longer I was married. So not true. How I love and admire my wife. Matter of fact, uh, just a few days ago, I smiled when Ruth, not really knowing what I was going to talk about this morning, said to me in more or less words, I don't have to worry about feminism. God already knows how spectacular and powerful He made women. And all God's women said, Amen. And the men should too. But it is to women whom God entrusts the formation of new life Psalm 139, a treasured verse for so many of us. Verses 13 and 14 says, For you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. And my soul knows it very well. It is in the mother that God performs this most spectacular miracle. Surely, second to being born again with eternal life. This must be the most astounding reality in the entire universe, the creation of a human being. Now, Ruth and I only have four kids so far, barely halfway to Mark and Nancy's, busting at the seams, quiverful. And let me just be very clear, it is not a competition. Let's just make sure we're clear on that. But for Ruth and I, even after four kids, we still pinch ourselves, even this very past week, we still pinch ourselves at the wonder of a little person. Such a little miracle. They learn to, to walk and talk and scream and fight and throw food. But back to the fearfully and wonderfully made part. Wonderful are your works and my soul knows it very well. And God does that wonderful work in the mother. And the mother's teaching and her nurturing and shaping role, we know, continue well past birth. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Tell me again, who gave this advice, this commandment to children? It was King Solomon, the wisest man to ever live. When I tell Leo or any of my kids, listen to your mother, it, honestly, it only carries about this much weight. But when the wisest man in the world orders it, one cannot deny its enormous value and weight. Solomon says, indeed, they are a, grace, a graceful wreath to your head and ornaments about your neck. The children who listen to their mother's wise teaching are more attractive and beautiful because of it. Their mother's lessons are like a diamond or pearl necklace around the neck. And all the young boys said, I don't wear necklaces. Well, if it was a $20,000 diamond necklace, I'm sure you would like it. But such is the teaching of a mother. 
Proverbs chapter 6, verses 20 to 23, speaks to the power of a mother's teaching as she faithfully raises her children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It says, My son, observe the commandment of your father and do not forsake the teaching of your mother. Bind them continually on your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you walk about, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. And when you awake, they will talk to you. That's wisdom speaking in our ear. For the commandment is a lamp and the teaching is light and reproofs for discipline are the way of life. That's the way it's meant to be. And it's good. God designed us to need and to benefit from mother's teaching. What about Proverbs chapter 23, verses 22 and 25? Do not despise your mother when she is old. Let your father and your mother be glad and let her rejoice who gave birth to you. That's my prayer this morning for our church family, for all who are watching with us. Lord, help us to fill the hearts of the mothers with joy this day. And perhaps here's my favorite verse that I came across in all my studies for this morning. In John chapter 16, Jesus warned His disciples that He was going to have to leave them. But li and listen to what He says in verses 19 to 22. John 16, verses 19 to 22. Jesus knew that they wished to question Him. And He said to them, Are you deliberating together about this? That I said, A little while and you will not see Me. And again a little while and you will see Me. Now what do we know that Jesus is talking about there? Well, there are cer certainly hints of His death and His resurrection. But in a grander sense, He is referring to His ascension to heaven and to His return and even the pre-return of the Holy Spirit. Verse 20 continues, Truly, truly, I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will be turned into joy. Whenever a woman is in labor, she has pain because her hour has come. But when she gives birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish because of the joy that a child has been born into the world. Therefore, you too have grief now, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and no one will take your joy away from you. I tell you, there are times I read verses like this, and I think, have I never read this before? That's awesome. Now, of course, we've read it before, but oh, the fresh wonder of God's Word when we read it again. It's a river that never runs dry. Think about what Jesus just said in these verses. You're going to be sad for a little bit, but the joy of salvation and the comforter and the resurrection and my return will come. And I will see you again. And to what did Jesus liken these unspeakable spiritual realities, these joys? Motherhood. Let that sink in. Of all the analogies he could have used at this moment, motherhood best pictured the worthwhile reward, the overwhelming happiness, the inalienable joy of salvation and eternal bliss with our Lord and Savior. Jesus 
thinks very highly of motherhood. And so should we. And today we're going to do our best. We want to honor mothers. We want to pour it on and celebrate them and thank God for them and point them to the truth and the reality of their high calling. And nothing exalts the beauties and the wonders of motherhood so rightfully and so wonderfully as the Word of God. Turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 13 now. We're going to spend the rest of our time together this morning. Wait until you see what happens when we look at motherhood through the lens of true biblical love. It is so inspiring. And of course, in chapter 13 here, we're just going to look at verses 4 to 8 because by the time we even get through these few verses, our hearts are going to be overwhelmed by the wondrous love that God so often demonstrates through mothers. So follow along as I read. 1 Corinthians 13, beginning in verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. Does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. Is not provoked does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. These are the loving words of God. Let's pray and ask His blessing on them as we study together. Heavenly Father, Thank You for the love of God. Thank You for how You do pour it out through mothers. We pray this day that You would guide us in how to honor our fathers and our mothers. Help us to know how to bless and praise them as Proverbs 31 says. Help us to know how to encourage, guide, support them in their mighty high calling. Thank You, Lord, for the power of Your Word. Even on Mother's Day, it speaks the grandest truths to us. With humble and open hearts, we receive it, Lord. We pray that Your Spirit will do what only He can do right now through the power of Your Word in our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, many of you know that 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is one of the most epic texts on true love. Matthew Henry helps to prepare our mind for the large scope of love with these words. Charity, or that is brotherly love, agape love as is used in the Greek here, Charity is an utter enemy to selfishness. It does not desire or seek its own praise or honor or profit or pleasure. Not that charity destroys all regard to ourselves or that the charitable man should neglect himself and all his interests, but charity never seeks its own to the hurt of others or to the neglect of others. It even prefers the welfare of others to its private advantage. Is it just me? Or does that describe motherhood so well? 
The goal for our study this morning is twofold. I want us to ponder and take note in detail of how the mother's love in our lives are demonstrated in such sacrificial and caring love. So many caring ways. I want us to see how that is happening in and through our mothers. Number two, where applicable, we want to let them know we see it. That's my prayer, one of my prayers for today. Lord, help us to know how to sincerely and wonderfully share with our mothers, with the mothers around us, the mother figures in our lives, to share with them how they bless us. Help us to see the various ways that there's patience in her, kindness in her, self-sacrifice and so on. We want to celebrate her because of these God-inspired virtues. The cards and the flowers are wonderful. Whatever you do, don't forget the tangibles. The flowers and all are great, but when we take the diamond of a mother's love and we sparkle all the facets of it in vivid detail and we praise her for each of them and glorify God, it will surely give her heart reason to rejoice this day. So let's look at the first cut in this diamond of a mother's love. Verse 4 says, love is patient. And mothers show us patience. Now I could just hear some of you moms right now. Wait a minute. You got the wrong mama. You should have seen this house right before the live stream started. We've all been there. We've all done it. We understand. Nothing I'm sharing today is to say that mothers are perfect. Even in this collection of love's attributes, moms will find that they have strengths and weaknesses just like everyone else. But mothers, collectively, are such quiet and faithful examples of these attributes. And our aim today is to honor them for it, to praise them, as, again, as Proverbs 31 says, and to encourage them to press on in the high calling of Christ-like motherhood. Ultimately, we give God glory for all of these good things. And so the first attribute we observe of true godly love is patience. It strikes me that this word comes first in the list. If you or I had to de define true, biblical, godly, sacrificial love, what's the first word we would use? Well, the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of God, the Spirit, chose patience. The King James uh, translation puts some teeth to this first term. It uses the words, suffereth long. And every mom out there said, okay, now that's definitely me. No, that's not the usage and the context of this word. Patience here refers specifically to a willingness to suffer long for the benefit of someone else. It's the willingness. As we study this word, we find that patience is mild in nature. In his commentary, Albert Barnes refers to patience as slowness to anger. It is opposed to haste and irritability. And like all the virtues of love that we're going to touch on this morning, we quickly realize that patience requires selflessness. As was mentioned in the first commentary, 
Patience is the enemy of selfishness. It requires selflessness. That's critical to minimize anger, temper, irritability at the heart level. Selflessness. Patience thinks less and less these kinds of thoughts. You're wasting my time. You're frustrating me. You're causing me pain. And in turn, it instead says, I'm willing to be long-suffering while we both learn what God is trying to teach us. James understood this so well in chapter 1 of his letter to the scattered, persecuted believers. What about Colossians chapter 1? I love how verses 11 and 12 elevate the virtue of patience to its proper height. For those in the Colossians study right now, what is it that Paul prayed for for the Colossian church in chapter 1? Listen to the loftiness of his petition. That you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please Him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to His, demi- according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience. Look at what is required of true divine patience there. One must be attaining spiritual wisdom, spiritual understanding. They must be strengthened with all the power that God's glorious might has to offer. When our mothers and the mothers of our children and the mothers around us demonstrate the noble virtue of patience, let us be seen and heard honoring them for it. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to 2, gives us the attitudes that accompany Christ like patience. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. Tolerance for one another in love never ceases to amaze me what a mother can tolerate. And I don't say that in the sense of letting the kids run wild with bad behavior. I'm saying it in the biblical sense here. The sense of godly patience. To bear with one another. To have a slowness to anger that gives ample opportunity for discipleship and maturing to happen in the children. Colossians 3.12 also helps us to see more facets of the diamond that accompany patience. So as those who have been chosen by God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. That's definitely not the portrait of, of a dad. At least not this one. It certainly pictures mother's best. The heart of compassion. Kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Lord, help all us dads to be more like the moms. Based on what I've observed in my lifetime, I'm not sure there is anything in the world that pushes pushes the patience of a person like motherhood. 
In most, most homes, it's the mother who takes the brunt, or it, who spends the most time with the children. It's the mother who is there day after day. It's an 18-year commitment, plus some, per child, that never ends anyway. Once a mom, always a mom. Praise God for the patience of a mother. And as that last verse I read highlighted, patience walks hand in hand with kindness. In our text today, verse 4 says, love is kind. Don't you appreciate the simple clarity of Scripture? Mothers demonstrate kindness. When we think about this in light of the first word, it's one thing to wait patiently. It's another to wait and show kindness. Patience suffers long, but kindness relieves the suffering in others. Kindness meets the need and lifts the spirit of others. Ephesians chapter 4, 30, verse 32 captures this so well. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. If we are indeed chosen by God, holy and beloved, as uh, Colossians 3.12 said, how are we to clothe ourselves? Put on a heart of compassion and kindness, it says. I, think, I like to think of kindness as being the hands and feet of compassion. Compassion is the urge. Kindness is the act. Kindness completes compassion. Strong's Bible Dictionary defines kindness this way. To show oneself useful. Kindness is a verb. It's a benevolent doing word. And like all the other aspects of love in this chapter, it demands selflessness. Kindness requires sacrifice. Think about this with me. When we receive kindness, the gratitude that swells in our heart does so because there's a sense of, you could have done this for yourself, but instead you chose it to do for me, to do it for me. How kind are mothers? Well, here's an exercise. Try to count the number of times a mother is useful and kind to her children and her family throughout the day. The number of times she does something for the benefit of someone else. The dishes, the laundry, the cleaning, the rocking to sleep, the meals. Oh, I tell you, I don't know if it's just the way I'm wired or what, but the meals would get to me three times a day, seven days a week, four and a quarter weeks per month, 12 months a year, for the rest of your life. What about the transportation, the teaching, the loving discipline, the playtime, the reading of the books, the many nights of interrupted sleep, the gardening? I'm sure I'm missing a bunch of the big ones, but we get the idea. Their service is kindness. And they still find time to reach out kindly to others outside the home. We find another aspect of their kindness in Proverbs 31, verse 26. The teaching of kindness is on her tongue. Mothers not only do it, they disciple it. They mentor it. They teach it. They exemplify it for the children to learn. I dare say that my children have learned kindness from their mother more than any other human being, including me. And I'm a pastor. We find another aspect of their kindness. Excuse me. We find another aspect of kindness in the way they speak to their children. 
The softness of their tongue is exemplary to all of us. Children, what are some of the ways that your mother shows kindness to you? Will you take time today to tell her? To list them out? Shower them upon her like a bouquet of flowers? That grateful recognition will indeed make for a happy Mother's Day. Now the Apostle Paul now turns from positives to the negatives. We see next that love is not jealous. It means it's not envious. It doesn't covet. The definition of this word in the Greek has a sense of being boiling hot. A godly mother is not passionate about what others have and she does not. Instead, a godly mother sees that she has her children. She echoes the psalmist, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. A godly mother recognizes the treasures she has and she finds great satisfaction in the gifts that God has given her. She is not jealous. James warns, where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. James 3.16 Again, if God has blessed you with a content mother, bless her for it. One of the things we see as we study the Scriptures is how tied together all of these attributes are. Patient people tend to be kind. And kind people tend not to be jealous. Here's what the verse says next. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. When you think about that, that's pride in the mouth and pride in the heart. I believe the Holy Spirit hit this one twice because it's so important, so valuable, so desirous, so necessary. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. Men, if God has blessed your children with a humble mother, praise her for it and give the Lord glory. Did you know that God takes notice of a humble mother? Isaiah chapter 66, verse 1 and 2 says, Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Where then is a house you could build for me? And where is a place that I may rest? For my hands made all these things. Thus all these things came into being, declares the Lord. But to this one I will look, to him who is humble and contrite of spirit, and who trembles at my word." If humble mothers earn the attention of God, we should give, should give attention to them as well. Humble mothers know what God has said is good and what He requires of them. Micah 6.8 To do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly before our God. It's the humble mother who truly learns the ways of God. Psalm 25, verse 9. He leads the humble in justice and He teaches the humble His way. It's the humble mother who is filled with grace. James 4, 6. You know this verse well. God is opposed to the proud but gives grace to the humble. It's the humble mother that is most valuable 
Proverbs 16, verse 19. It is better to be humble in spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. A humble mother deserves to be exalted. Even God exalts her. James 4, 6. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord and He will exalt you. Let us be a people who commend mothers for their humility. Let's look at verse 5. We see that love does not act unbecomingly. Unbecoming is an interesting word. It means indecent, unseemly, unflattering. In the simplest sense, ugly. Here's the truth for us today. A loving mother is an absolutely beautiful person. Her godly behavior is gorgeous. How important for us fathers to praise our wives in front of our children for true beauty. We must not take for granted when she does not act unbecomingly. Instead, how appropriate that we flatter her for her humility and her contentment, her kindness and patience. Verse 5 continues, it does not seek its own. It's so important for us to not only notice what our mothers do for us, but to also notice what they do not do for themselves. Take note of their sacrifices. Paul exhorted the church in Philippians 2, verse 3, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. What about Romans 12.10? Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Mothers, hear and live out those verses better than anyone I know. They give such a preferential treatment to their children above their own needs. And Mother's Day reminds us, it demands of us that we celebrate and honor that self-sacrifice when we see it. Here's the next definition of love in the verse. It is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered. Godly mothers don't have short fuses and they aren't easily offended. And when they are offended, they don't keep track. They do not take into account a wrong suffered. They don't hold grudges. They are not resentful, as the ESV reads. They think no evil of the one who hurt them, as the King James says. On the contrary, they are quick to forgive. I marvel at how fast a mother is willing to forgive her son or daughter in order to restore relationship. It's got to be one of the most beautiful things in the world. Again, I might be a pastor, but I too put my mother through a lot. Growing up, I always knew though that whenever I asked her forgiveness, she would give it to me before I could even finish the sentence. I could see it in her face. I could hear it in her heart. When we look at all that we put our mothers through and then factor in their ready and even eager forgiveness, their desire for relationship, 
It is a very humbling thing to see such beauty. If anyone forgives and forgets anything remotely like God does, as far as the East is from the West, mothers probably get that reward too. Thank God for mothers who do not take into account all our sins growing up. Again, no mother does this perfectly. But when they do forgive, when they do forget, let us be very quick to honor them. Verse 6, Love does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. This speaks so eloquently of the virtuous woman. She has a strong sense of right and wrong. Her moral compass is accurate. She does not find pleasure in sin, and consequently, consequently, she longs for her children to do what is right. The truth delights her. The Word of God delights her. If you have a mother who joyfully reads her Bible every day and loves truth, celebrate her. Thank God and thank her for the ways you see her grieve over sin and delight in righteousness. Such a mother is not to be taken for granted. Verse 7, we see that love also bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. These four facets of the diamond are all pointing in the same direction. And they so describe godly motherhood. Mothers have long-distance vision. They are in this for the long haul. They see the prize from afar. This resonates back to where we started with patience. Scripture highlights just how significant the impact is of a mother's faithful, faith-filled love. In 2 Timothy 1, verse 5, Paul says, For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, speaking to Timothy, which first dwelled in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am sure that it is in you as well. Multi-generational impact. Mothers have it. Paul basically says to Timothy, I know perfectly well why you're such a fine Christian young man. It's because of your mother and your grandmother. If you have a faithful, bearing, believing, hoping, enduring mother, then let us fulfill the words of Proverbs 31.28. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Verse 8, love never fails. Verse 7 is true, and 8 is what follows. True, devoted, godly love never fails. Listen to this verse in Isaiah 40, chapter 49. Verse 15. In this verse, God wanted to convey the commitment and the trustworthiness of His love for the people of Israel. And in that context, He asked this question. Can a woman forget her nursing child and have no compassion on the son of her womb? 
when God needed an example of virtually indestructible, limitless, faithful love, He pointed at motherhood. That is a stunning acknowledgement from the God of the universe. Love never fails. In closing on this very special holiday, let me, let me bring us back again to the words of Proverbs chapter 23, verse 25. Let your father and your mother be glad. Let her rejoice who gave birth to you. Mothers, we know that you haven't done it perfectly. And you know that your children aren't perfect. That's not why we all rejoice. We rejoice, as Romans 5.5 says, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Mothers, we honor you for how you reflect the Christ-like love of God. We honor you for how you minister true love. We commend you. We celebrate you. And we cheer you on as you keep pressing forward with 1 Corinthians love for your families. Remember that your love has the power to impact many generations. Children, dads, all of us adults, let us take time today, not just to wish the mothers in our lives a happy Mother's Day, but to tell them why we celebrate them, why we honor and cherish them. Let the 1 Corinthians 13 diamond sparkle a little as you point out the specific ways, and as I highlight the specific ways that that woman in our life shines the true love of Christ so brightly. Because faith, hope, and love abide these three. But the greatest of these is love. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we don't want to wait until we get to heaven to recognize the stunning beauty and the overwhelming goodness that You have brought into our lives through motherhood. Our own mother. The mother of our children. The mother figures in our lives. The mothers around us who also help shape our own children. We think of motherhood in the family of God and in the church. Such a beautiful and wonderful gift from above. Today, we honor Your Word, Lord, by praising that woman. By rising up and calling her blessed. We do this in acknowledgement that she is a gift from You. Ultimately, all the praise, all the honor, all the glory, all the adoration and treasuring goes to You. Thank You, Lord, for being such a wonderful God to us through motherhood. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.